Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffitt, CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends like my friend, Dr. Judy Jasek. Well, we don't let friends feed kibble now, do we, Dr. Jasek? No, we don't. There's no good kibble and there's no fixing kibble. You oh, come make, on. You can't make kibble better. Hey, I got a logo cup somewhere. I have to find it. So I got it, my logo cup too. Right. So you can I got go, my logo like, shirt on today too. You do? You just need to yeah. tilt your camera down to, just a little to, bit or, or stand up on your tippy toes. To like tilt my camera down. See, there we go. Me. I love that. that I didn't know you guys shirt. had t-shirts. Those are awesome. Yeah, we do. It's 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 kind of old. Thankfully on the camera, I don't think you can see how it's kind of faded, but we're getting new ones for our team for Christmas. So I thought, hey, I should get that out and wear it. Dee, where's my sh- logo shirt? I wear my logo shirt. Proudly. Hey, I saw where Tennessee was having like major tornadoes. You guys Holy didn't get Jesus. hit, did you? We didn't, but I'll tell you what, that was freaky. I was just finishing up with clients on Saturday afternoon. I heard my phone going off, you know, and like, I thought it was my Amber Alert or something. That's usually what it is. And I'm looking like tornado warning, like what? It's like, it's the middle of December. And, you know, there was like thunderstorms in the forecast, but nothing major, you know, and, uh, and then I look and it was like, yeah, like heading right for us. And thankfully it went about an hour north. So Clarksville, where there was a lot of damage is only about an hour north of us. So it wasn't that far away. And like, you could hear the, the they have tornado sirens here. You could hear the sirens outside going off. So we're watching and our phones went off about every 15 minutes there for about an hour and a half while it was going through. But fortunately it went kind of up north. And it sounds like it hit kind of like the northeastern Nashville suburbs. But yeah, it was like pretty, pretty substantial. Like that's December. <laughs> well, that's Tennessee, not, you know, not Colorado. You don't get right? tornadoes in Colorado in December. So, I, yeah, I saw them on the Weather Channel. And and I saw the actual tornado and how it was taking out the power lines. And of course, I grew up in Oklahoma, right? So yeah. I lived half of my life in a bathtub with a mattress yeah. over me or a closet. <laughs> you yeah. know, we 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 were quite accustomed to that. But yeah, I was like worried about you guys, worried about the yeah. chickens. Yeah, I was too. That's one of the things. Well, these warnings are going off, and I look out and I'm just like, oh God, I hope that you know the tractor holds, they can run in there. And and be safe. And we have this like electric netting around their pen. And I went off and turned turned off the electric because I thought if it got really bad and they got scared, they can fly over that because I want them to be able to like get away and they'd hit the electric fence and get scared. And back in just kind of looking at them. And then one gets out. And I'm like, you stupid hen. Like this is not the time. Every now and then they'll fly the fence about four feet high. Every now and then they'll fly over it. And I'm like, you stupid chicken, there's a freaking tornado coming. What are you doing out? You know? Can you outfly the tornado? I doubt it. <laughs> right? Like, uh, my gosh, or the hawks and the other stuff, you know? So, like, I grabbed Chris. I'm like, come on, 
to get we gotta corral the chickens because you run out you can't just run out there and grab them you know you have to kind of come on let's go in because if you get all excited then they get all excited so anyway uh, but life yeah life on the farm life on the farm yeah we didn't because they were predicting just like even 60 mile an hour winds and we didn't even have that we had like you know kind of regular thunderstorm stuff got a good heavy rain but yeah thankfully they missed us but yeah, good get in. good I good, good. In, back in back in tornado alley here i think yeah, well, we were shoveling snow and you were dodging tornadoes. So that's the way it goes around the country, right? That's right. That's right. I, I'll, well, I don't know. Shoveling snow isn't as damaging as tornadoes. That's right. That's right. Hey, you know, uh, you and I, one of our industries that we love so much is the veterinary industry. And um, <laughs> we do. We love it. You know, uh, tongue in cheek. <laughs> Did you hear about the the you know the dog the longest living dog ba- uh, Bobby who supposedly died at the age of 31 okay um he died in October but um a veterinary organization is calling them liars and using mm-hmm. their political power to force a retraction from the Guinness's world record really Yes. Now I'm getting this from Susan Thixton, but she said um, that Dr. Chambers, okay, he's an European veterinarian who's a v, uh, an equine vet, a horse vet, mm-hmm. not a small animal veterinarian. Mm-hmm. He told the Guardian that not a single one of his veterinary colleagues believed Bobby was actually 31 years old. And they just said it's completely implausible. And he also suggested that Bobby, or Bobby, however one you want to say it, was actually two different dogs, challenging the integrity of Mm. Bobby's entire human family, stating, um, in some cases, parents replace a dead pet with a new one to prevent their child from getting upset. Okay, Dr. Chambers. (laughs) Child isn't going to know the difference in the pets. Right? And so- what 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 they're they're saying that um the motive that they are are showing for this attack on Bobby's grieving family is that Dr. Chambers told the Guardian that Bobby's example had been taken up by anti-pet food zealots. That that, that would be us, Dr. Tracy. <laughs> anti anti-pet food zealot. Wow. Yeah, that we've been called a lot of things. Uh, that's a new one. Anti-pet food zealots who have long campaigned that dog food is killing pets and that raw feeding is healthier. Hmm. They will stop at nothing. They will stop it. They will stop at nothing. Yeah. They got to they got to discredit every angle. Every angle. At least, you know, when I hear stuff like that, at least maybe I think they're getting like we're. Um, more people are are waking up to this, are realizing it because they're they're a little worried about it. Like they don't want this campaign to keep going. So it tells me at least maybe it's, you know, catching on more. Well, and you know, there's a lot more raw foods and stuff out there than there used to be. So I guess there must be more demand for it, which is good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, again, small, small portion yeah. of of the, of the, of the, pet food out there and i tell you what i'm i just there again dr jesic there is no mental link 
with pet parents that link problems that their pets have with what things might have already gone into their body, might be going into their body. Case in point, I was at a party and um, somebody was, you know, they always said, with well, Dee with raw dog food and cavity. So I get some questions and I get some stories. And they were telling me that uh, this one uh, neighbor was telling me that their dog had low platelets. Mm-hmm. And so for the low platelets, they had to give their dog a medication that was so toxic that they had to wear a mask and gloves when administering this medicine to their dog. And I'm just, I'm befuddled that somebody would think that would be okay. Right. And they just blindly believe they're veterinarian. And I said, well, what was the cause of the low platelets? Well, I don't know. It's like, no, we don't talk about that. We just have to fix this. And I I am just like, okay, we we have got to wake these folks up. And then when you start talking about food or vaccines, then people are like, okay, I got to go. And yeah, like, like, how about them Broncos, right? Change the subject. How about you see that snow? How much snow do you get? Yeah. Change, change the topic. People, but, I, but we're I crazy. Kind of, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're kooky people. People don't want to hear about it. They don't want to change. I think sometimes people, because I've run into this with my own family when I brought up stuff, which I just, I don't bring it up anymore. I kind of like, you know, holidays are a little bittersweet for my husband and I because we're by ourselves and we both had quite a bit of family back in Colorado. But then we'd go to these family gatherings where you got to tiptoe around certain topics. And you you know that if we really talk about the stuff we'd like to talk about, they'll just think we're kooky. There'd be a food so, fight. So it's always, yeah, it's always kind of awkward anyway. So it's, it's kind of, you know, pros, pros and cons there. So we, we hang out together and can talk about, you know, any, anything we want, but yeah, it's, I think sometimes, and I've actually had family members tell me that, like I'd start to say, I don't want to hear about it. I want to just keep, I want to just keep eating at McDonald's. I don't want to hear about how bad, just would rather not know. I'm like, really? You just would rather not be healthy. You'd rather your, your, your pets not be healthy. I mean, my one brother is almost like, if you tell him it's healthy, he will intentionally not eat it just because it's healthy. He's like anti-healthy, like eats the, I, I don't know why he's not has more health problems than he does, but he'll, he will, you know, he won't eat something sugar-free. He, he's always suspicious. Like if I bring something like, you know, did you put like, if, if I brought, did a baked good or did you actually put sugar in it, Judy? I'm like, yeah, there's the sugar in it, John. You're okay. <laughs> You're not going to die from monk fruit toxicity or something. You know? I love monk fruit. I will tell you. I, I, I mean, I like it. I, I had some cookies that Amanda made and with monk fruit. And I was like, oh my gosh, the Christmas cookies. I was like, those are great. Yeah. I like monk yeah. fruit. Yeah. I did some baking and I did um, keto and gluten-free. Um, so there's no, no sugar. It has the monk fruit in it. Um, so there's no refined sugar, no like wheat, no wheat. So no wheat flour. So it's like almond flour, coconut flour, things like that. And you know what? They've gotten a lot better with these recipes because they did turn out good. I, I'd have to say. Used to be like alternative baking was like, eh, like flat cookies, just, well, you know, they weren't very good or dry, but these are, these are good. I gotta say. Nice. Good. Yeah. Nice. 
Hey, um, let's talk a little bit about. Um, so I wanted to 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 mention also that we had an an email, or I think Brian was was telling me this that he works with a lot of people out on Facebook. So he was said this dog was coughing because you know we have a respiratory illness out there, quote unquote. And uh, the vet put the dog on antibiotics. Uh, mm-hmm. Doctor Jasek, why would we put a dog on antibiotics for a cough? Uh, well, because the vet doesn't know what's causing it and they feel obligated to send the client out the door with a prescription of something. So they send out antibiotics. That's that's literally what they think is that people expect to go in and get a prescription. If you go in and like, I might say, well, well, first of all, we'd ask questions. Well, what, what's been going on? Is there anything new? You know, is your pet exposed to, you know, respiratory irritants and things like that. So we try to get to the, get to the root cause of it, but you know, average conventional vet doesn't do that. So they got to send them out the door with something, but those antibiotics, I mean, the only time an antibiotic would be appropriate is if you had diagnosed like a bacterial pneumonia where you, uh, and those dogs are sick. They're not just a little, you know, coffin. They're they're really down and out sick. So that might be an appropriate use of antibiotics. But all this other irritant stuff, they just don't know what it's. And that's the veterinary profession does that all the time. They don't know what's going on. I just throw some antibiotics at it. Maybe they'll stick, you know. And then the pet will get better. But I think most times they get better in spite of the antibiotics, not because of it. Yeah. And then, and then I was reading something the other day where it was talking about just this, almost like an antibiotic poisoning of people, right? They were talking about that. There's so much like antibiotics being pushed out there. And obviously this is where we get these super bugs, so to speak. But I was like, man, you really have to be careful with antibiotics, something that people have become accustomed to just throwing at the dogs, not something that we would recommend. If you're going to do antibiotics, I would definitely schedule a consult with Dr. Jasek to go over that because you may not be getting the entire uh, story and uh, about the antibiotics. Yeah. And there, there's still alternatives, you know, there's sure colloidal silver and oregano oil and garlic, and there's lots of natural antibacterials as well. So even if there are signs of perhaps a bacterial issue, um, you, you, you don't have to go the route of the antibiotics, but again, what's, what's going on? Like the, back, the bacteria is everywhere. Like a bacterial infection, like it didn't just fly in and attack your pet. There, these are organisms that are out there in the environment all the time. And the reason they affect certain pets is because they're compromised in some other way. So that's why we have to look at their root health and why did this pet's body allow this bacteria to take hold? Say, you know, the bladder. Sometimes we'll see, you know, bacterial infections in the bladder. Well, what is going on that that pet is more susceptible because these organisms are, are everywhere. So you, you have to look at, you know, what's going on. Are they good gut health? Are they on a, you know, healthy diet? Are they not being poisoned with, you know, these other pharmaceuticals? So why was this pet susceptible to it? You know, just, you have to look at all that, but the conventional vets, they don't look at any of that. It's just, just treat it. And then comes back another course of antibiotics comes back again. Let's try a different antibiotic. And they're not even culturing. Like I'll sometimes tell people, okay, if there's really a in bacterial infection in your pet's bladder, 
at least ask them for a culture so we know, first of all, for sure that there's bacteria in there, what the bacteria is and what antibiotic is sensitive to. So if you're going to use an antibiotic, it's it's targeted. You're not just you're not just guessing. Otherwise, they just go through these rounds and rounds of antibiotics, and which, you know, of course, hammers the gut and and just makes them unhealthy in so many other ways. So I I had uh, a customer, a long-term customer <clears throat> who has a uh, golden. And I think River is now somewhere around eight, seven, eight, something like that. But he gets these UTIs or he's had several. Okay, let's just say that, several. Mm-hmm. So she contacted me and she said, you know, they're kind of suspecting that maybe it's the raw diet. <laughs> and I said, well, okay. Um, I dig into that. What is it in the raw diet that would be causing a UTI and a raw diet that is all meat, bones, organ, and fat? And that's it. Meat, bones, organ, and fat. Now she right. does some treats that aren't ours. They do appear to be somewhat clean. I don't know where they come from, but whatever. Um, but what would be causing a UTI? And I can't say, again, everything that's gone on. Uh, he's been on a round of antibiotics uh, before for a UTI. But I I don't know. What would it be? What would it be? Yeah. What you mean? What could be in the raw, like they're saying, or what else would it be? What What else would it be? I mean, first of all, let me let's clarify. This. I mean, we know that it's not the raw, but I mean, like, are they saying? Did they say? Well, did her, did their vet say what in the raw was causing it? I guess that would be the first question. No, it's just the raw diet in general was causing it because you know that's the only thing it could be, of course, because <laughs> they don't know to- what. Because, right. because because they don't know because they don't know what it is. Yeah. Right. So what what where's the link, Dr. Jasek, that would say, yeah, raw diet and UTI. Now, let me say this. We have seen a lot of dogs on a high carb cooked diet with UTIs. Okay. But if it's a raw diet, it doesn't even have any oxalates in it, right? It's just meat, bones, organ, and fat. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. What would be causing a UTI? Yeah, what? nothing, nothing, nothing from the diet. I mean, I, I'm I'm guessing that what the conventional vets are saying, because, you know, one of the their premises is that, you know, raw food is full of bacteria, which, you know what it is, because all living things have bacteria in it. We have lots of bacteria in it. I know. Tell me it's not true, right? <laughs> I have all these bugs, crawling. we have more bacteria than we do like human cells, right? Um, but they just use this whole thing that, oh, bacteria is bad. And like raw food is full of bacteria. So there might say, well, it's all that bacteria in the raw food, but even, even just say like there was some bad bacteria in the food or, and they'd have to, you know, prove that the same bacteria in the bladder is in the food, but that food is still going through the digestive tract. Like the two aren't linked. Like the food they're eating doesn't just go into the bladder, you know, it it goes out in the poop. So, okay, the the pee hole and the poop hole are not that far apart. So I guess there could be some something coming out in the poop that could, you know, migrate up into the 
up into the bladder, but, but this is healthy food. It's, it's healthy food. So, I mean, the chances of that happening are just, just really unlikely. Now, I think what can happen is dogs with, you know, unhealthy, like you said, dogs that are eating like a kibble diet that have really unhealthy gut, they have an unhealthy microbiome, they might have some bacteria that could potentially um, work their way up in the, in the urinary tract. But these UTIs, um, I always ask more questions when somebody says, oh, my dog has chronic urinary tract infections, because if the urine is always being caught free catch, like, you know, they're just letting them pee in a cup. Sometimes I think they can pick up bacteria, you know, on the way, on the way out. I I've been working with a case and it's just a puppy. It's like puppy has chronic UTIs. Well, she's got like this puppy vaginitis. She's got a little bit of a discharge. Well, what if that pee is just picking up, there might be some white blood cells in that, you know, that discharge and the pee, they could be picking that up and you're seeing that it's not coming from the bladder. So with chronic UTIs, first thing I recommend is get a sterile sample, like tap right into the bladder and find out what's really in just, just the urine um, and check that. And do you actually have bacteria? You know, and what is this based on? Because I, I've seen some cases where, you know, maybe the dogs had an accident in the house or are peeing a little more frequently and they just call it a UTI and put them on antibiotics. They just don't even test them sometimes. So, you know, I always ask what, what are they basing this on and what are, you know, what are the symptoms? What's really going on? Because as we always say, there's usually more to the picture, but pretty sure it's not the raw food causing the problem. Well, and the, and, and so her question was, should I get an x-ray to a rule at stones? I, and, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not a vet. Um, I just sit with one here on the podcast. Uh, but I asked the question, what, what is the, what, what is telling you that there's a UTI? Is there pain? Mm -hmm. Is there, um, the, uh, inability to pee excessive licking? No, the pee is just darker. Yeah. So that's exactly what I mean. Like that doesn't mean it's a UTI. I know. That's what I said. I was like, well, okay. What I do. Okay. Why would pee be darker? And, and th there was a picture. Okay. And it was in the snow. So it was, it wasn't like it was brown. Like a pretty normal pee to me actually, but I don't know what the color of the dog's pee usually is, but what does the darker pee indicate over a lighter pee? Well, it could color. just be could be just hydration because what the kidneys do is they, they, they regulate um, hydration in the body. So if say, Prior to that particular urination, the pet didn't drink as much as normal. Well, the body's going to be holding more fluid back and sending out more concentrated pee. If the dog had just drank a whole bunch of water, then the pee is going to be lighter. So it'll change. I mean, you can tell that in, in yourself. If you drink a bunch of water, then your pee is going to be light. If you don't drink a bunch of water and you just drink a bunch of coffee all day, well, your pee is going to be real dark. You know, maybe the dog was drinking coffee. I don't know. Cause caffeine does dehydrate them. So there's that. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, about as, it's about as logical as that the raw food cost. <laughs> so how many days, if your pet's pee has changed, how many days would you 
watch the pea color before you would say, hmm, something is a, is different and maybe I should take a look or maybe I should worry or have it checked. What, I mean, what, what would cause you to check? Would it be, would, okay, let me ask this question because I'm getting all convoluted here like pee. Um, <laughs> what would, the, the patients that you've seen, the pet parents, what are they seeing that indicated that their pet had a UTI in the first place? And did they really have a UTI? I guess that's right. the question. So that okay. I would say just changing pee color, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would not bet that that there's a high likelihood that that is a UTI without other symptoms. So the other pretty universal symptoms increase frequency. Now I've had bladder infections and it's like, I got to pee like five minutes ago. Like you got to just pee in that urgency and you don't go very much because it's really, the urine is irritating. So it, it just burns and you just feel like you got to go all the time, but you only go a little bit and it, and it, they're miserable, but that's what we see in the pets. They go really frequently. And so because of that urgency accidents in the house, um, very kind of pets that are well housebroken, have an accident in the house. Now it's not that you can't see changes in color. Sometimes you can see blood in the pee with a, with mm. a, um, urinary tract infection, but not just a darker color. So if they're seeing red, you know, then that, that does indicate inflammation. Um, and that is a time. So you mentioned the stones. If we're seeing blood in the pee, I probably, an x-ray for stones would probably be a good idea because just a just an infection probably isn't going to be irritating enough to see blood in the pee. Sometimes it can. There's no absolutes here. This is biology. But persistent blood in the pee, that would be an indication to, to do um, to do an x-ray to look for stones because those can be serious, especially in a male dog, because um, they can block because their urethra is long. It comes out of the bladder and goes down through the penis and, and it, there's not a big opening there. And so they can get blocked by those stones and that, you know, can become life-threatening, but almost always, I would say you're going to see some, some true, uh, some true blood in the pee, but just, and, and you could test out the urine. Like if you notice a little darker pee, just make sure your dog drinks a little bit more. Add extra, just add extra water or broth or something to their food for a couple of days and see if the pee color changes. I mean, that's an easy question, you know, to answer if it's just hydration. First thing in the morning before they've gotten up and, you know, eaten or drank anything, it it might be a little more concentrated then. So it might be a little bit darker, but yeah, I, you- I wouldn't think it on that. Do the PH uh, strips indicate anything? So like if you, let's say you've got a dog who's this P is darker, you're kind of worried about it. You can get these PH strips, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did the, do the PH strips indicate anything in regards to a UTI? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good question. Cause I actually recommend that to people, dogs um, that have um, a crystal have had stones or, we see crystals showing up in the urinalysis because stones and crystals do form and the pH is abnormal. So the pH should be like six to six and a half. It should be slightly acidic. So the, the pH range is zero to 14. And so neutral is seven. So neutral, you might get more bacteria growing because it's a friendlier environment. 
Um, if it goes too high, like we have a pH of eight or eight and a half, that's where you get your struvite crystals. So the with changes in the pH, you'll get crystals form, and then those crystals can eventually form into stones. Um, if it's low, like five or five and a half, you get oxalate crystals. So you get your calcium oxalate stones. That's what happened when Hills, bless their little hearts, came out with the SO diet to dissolve out um, uh, struvite crystals. So they, it was it had agents in it that were acidifying the urine. Well, then what happened? Then we started seeing dogs with calcium oxalate because they were acidifying it too much. Well, then they you know, were kind enough to come out with CD to help with the, you know, with the oxalate crystals. So, so you do want, you don't want to be, I mean, the point of that is you don't want to be treating the pH unnecessarily or too much. You want to continue to monitor it. So that can be a good thing. Now the pH will fluctuate though. So you might get a different pH after your pet eats. So the, the key is to take it, check it the same time every day. And I recommend first thing in the morning before the pets ate or drank anything. If you want to check your pet's pH, check it first thing in the morning, you know, kind of always at the same part of their routine, because it will fluctuate throughout the day. But say, you know, you say you're checking it every two hours throughout the day. And at one point in the afternoon, there's a pH of eight. Well, that's not concerning if most of the rest of the time it's down at that six or six and a half. It might have to do with what they just ate because the body regulates the pH. The body has these really tight mechanisms for, for regulating the, um, the pH. And, and urine pH is not the same as blood pH either. I've, I've had this question before. Blood pH, there's a very narrow um, safety range there. But in the urine, you can get some wider swings and then the body like re-regulates it. So if you were consistently seeing a pH of eight in the morning or a pH of five in the morning, I would probably definitely get a urine, a urine sample checked to look for crystals in there. Awesome. So um, tell me about blood pH and when do we check that in pets? Well, blood pH, it can be checked on a blood draw, but I don't, I don't pay too much attention to that specific value because again, there's a very narrow safety range. I mean, there's only like a few tenths that, that, that can fluctuate. And so even just respiration. So say the, um, the, like, like, you know, people like hyperventilate and stuff, um, that, that you blow off a bunch of carbon dioxide, that'll change your pH. But when you, re-regulate your respiration, you, it re-regulates the, the pH. So the body has some really tight mechanisms for keeping it. So I guess my point is you find it a little bit off uh, on a blood work. Well, 20 minutes later, the body could have fixed it. So that's why I don't pay too much attention to that value. That's why it's, it's, it's different. The body will just change the respiration rate um, and change is something important to monitor, like during anesthesia, because the respiration rate slows way down and we need to make sure, you know, pets are getting enough oxygen and all the, it's part of the anesthesia monitoring because you want to make sure that, that, that the pH is staying where we need it. But I, I, I've always had a hard time getting on board with like this, these alcohol and water machines and stuff, because I've just kind of always thought, well, okay, I get that acidity is not good for the body, 
but knowing that the body can regulate the pH quite well. And you're taking alkaline water and dumping it in a stomach full of hydrochloric acid. Well, you know, is it really doing any good after that? Because it seems like that's going to negate any of the benefits. So I always had, I mean, I, I get the concept that we don't want our bodies to be too acidic, but, but I also know if we're taking care of our bodies through good nutrition, we're feeding our pets a good quality diet and balanced raw diet, that the body is going to be able to, to handle that just, just fine. So I don't really worry about whole body pH, but we will see abnormalities in, in the urine pH that can cause problems. Yeah. It's, it's amazing that, um, we have all of these things that fix the body and we probably have the sickest people we've ever had and dogs, right? Because like, like, you know, we're always talking about, let's say you have a cold, right? And so, um, you're, or detoxing as I call it, right? Sneezing, coughing, sniveling, and then you shut that down. Um, you don't let the body do what it's supposed to do. That seems like what we do a lot of the times, not let the body do what it's supposed to do. Then it gets sicker. Right. Because you know? we don't want to, we don't want to take, you know, three days off to go lay in bed, which is really what we need to do. Body's just saying, Hey, I need a rest. I need some time to just rest and detox, which is like what really what this time of year should be, you know, in, in native cultures, um, this time of year, you know, people, the people live by the sun cycle. Well, you just sleep a lot more. Yeah. It gets dark at five o'clock, but I mean, I, I don't know that I could go to bed at five o'clock, but I do tend to go to bed early earlier this time of year because there just isn't as much going on because it's not it's not light out but it's the time of year where you should be getting more rest allowing your body this time to detox but as humans what do we do it's our busiest time of the year we're running here running there christmas shopping parties you know eating a lot drinking more alcohol you know so it's no wonder that we have this quote unquote flu season come january because we've just been you know poisoning our bodies and running them ragged and traveling and getting all stressed out because of family stuff. And then we wonder why people get sick in January. It, it makes total sense just from a detoxification perspective. But, you know, of course we're told it's these evil viruses that we picked up, we got because we were around all these other people, you know, well, Aunt Joe must've given me his cold or, or Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe is giving me his cold. <laughs> Uncle Jill. Okay. These, these days you can't tell. It's <laughs> another podcast, but it's another one. Uh, <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> and we only drink because of what we do. Come on, Dr. Judy. It's like, yes. uh, you know, we only drink because we're awake. You know, that's what we were talking about. We're like, is it really good to be awake? Because now I see all this stuff I don't want to see. You know, it's crazy. It is crazy. Um, okay. So I have another question um, before we go. So, Brian, as you know, um, had a foster that, you know, he rehomed and he emailed me and he said, uh, you know, sadly, the foster passed away. Now, this has been a couple of years ago, but they keep in touch. So he said there was a liver, a liver abscess that leaked septic fluid into his abdomen and the vets don't know what caused it. But he said, I, I certainly have a few guesses. And he said, I thought it was only raw dog food that caused a dog to go septic, not a liver abscess. Anyway, uh, 
That, I was going to say, this dog must have been eating raw if it had right? a liver abscess, right? I and mean, what else right. could it be? Yeah. So um, he said he wanted me to ask you what you thought, because he said that seems strange that a liver abscess would leak septic fluid into his abdomen. But he wanted me to run that by you and see what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, that's that's an odd diagnosis. Uh, that's one I I would I would uh, want to see, um, you know, the the actual imaging and how they determined that that was an abscess, not that. They can't get abscesses. So say an aberrant parasite maybe can get insisted in the liver. Could we maybe get some bacteria in there? But that's a real, what we'd call a zebra. You know, the old saying, if you hear hoofbeats, don't, don't assume it's a zebra. Um, that would be a real, that would be a real zebra. Now, some things that, that would be unusual, like trauma. Did, did they ever have a puncture wound to the abdomen, like a history of something like that, but just a average, you know, urban dog get a liver abscess. I'd, I'd really want to see the, I'd really want to see the, uh, the workup on that one. Cause that that's, that's pretty unusual. Yeah. I was like, well, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. It was just, uh, he was very upset about it. And obviously there was, a, this was a rescue dog. Right. Mm -hmm. That then came into his home. And of course, he's a raw feeder and holistic, uh, as we all are. And, you know, then this dog goes to another home. So I said, well, what do you think, Brian? He mm -hmm. goes, well, I think it's a bunch of crappy food and a lot mm -hmm. of vaccines, you know, that caused uh, some some pretty unhealthy things in this dog. Yeah. But, and I would wonder, and I would wonder, because I question diagnoses now all the time, because I'm seeing so much just pure negligence in the veterinary profession. And so this is a rescue dog. Did they even do appropriate diagnostics? Did they even work the dog up? Did they, I mean, I'm just guessing they just run blood work and see some elevated liver enzymes. And then they make up this nice convenient story. I mean, I don't know, but I would want to know what exactly they did because, you know, rescues don't have a ton of money. So was it just minimally worked up? And then, you know, the vets just make stuff up. I'm starting no. to see this all the time. It's like, nah. don't believe it. How can they do that? Like, they just make up a story, and people don't know. It was just like the raw food caused sepsis. Like, how, how does that happen? <laughs> like, you know, like, so they just make up. I mean, how many stories have we heard? Oh, the dogs need grain to have a, a healthy heart. You know, um, you know, and then people believe um, believe these stories. So. You know, anymore, it's just like you have to dig into the diet. I, I, I see, um, like, for example, these, um, the blood, there's a blood test. It's a newer test for pancreatitis. And it's like this, like mm -hmm. chronic pancreatitis, I swear, like every other person, I'm like, oh, my dog has chronic pancreatitis. I'm like, based on what? Oh, and the blood work. And so when your dog, when you were told your dog has chronic pancreatitis based on the blood work, did your dog have any symptoms? Well, no. Okay, your dog didn't have pancreatitis because true pancreatitis is serious. They are sick. They can't hold down anything orally, not even water. But this being diagnosed left and right. So oh, I, yeah. these tests are bogus. I, you can't even trust the test. You can trust nothing and question everything. Seriously. It's it's really gotten bad. The 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 ineptness of the veterinary profession is is really bad. 
There, uh, there, there, there are some things that are happening out there, though, that I think are good. And here's one: a lawsuit was that was recently <laughs> filed against Perina Pet Care Company. Not that, not that anything will happen to them, but there was a lawsuit that was filed uh, in the state of New York, and the lawsuit claims that Purina markets its pet foods in a systematically misleading manner that many of its products are natural when the pet foods actually contain multiple synthetic ingredients. So the lawsuit states that the defendant clearly claims the products are natural on the product's label, capitalizing on the preference of health-conscious pet owners to purchase pet food that is free from synthetic ingredients. Uh, and I, I think this one happened to be a cat food, actually, um, one that they're showing here, Beyond Grain Free. It was the Purina Beyond Grain Free Wild Salmon Recipe. And um, they said, you know, the products do contain multiple synthetic ingredients. So um, the, synth the ingredients that were provided. So hear me, guys. These are synthetic zinc sulfate, copper sulfate, calcium pantothenate, uh, thiamine. I can't even pronounce these, Dr. Jay-Z, because I didn't go to school, um, do, you know, doctor school. Uh, but there's all these hydroxychloride and sodium bisulfate and all this crap. If you can't pronounce it like me, it it's synthetic. Yeah, don't feed it. Don't feed your pet something that you can't pronounce or that you don't know don't know what it is. And, 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 you know, it's good. Like these are big companies and they're owned by bigger companies and that are owned by bigger companies. So nothing's probably going to happen. That's going to be devastating to Prina. But I think these lawsuits, lawsuits are still good because it raises awareness and it pushes back a little bit and, you know, calling them on this false advertising, which is, which is really what it is because they just put these pretty pictures like beyond grain free. What does that even mean beyond grain free? What is that? It's grain free or not grain free? What's beyond grain free? Like it doesn't even make it doesn't make any sense, but they they're very crafty with their marketing and they know what's going to appeal to to people. You know, they know what words to use and they know what pretty pictures to put on the bag and and you know, they'll have this, you know, beyond grain free and then they'll have this picture of a a piece of salmon or or a picture of a salmon in a stream and people are like, "Oh, it's like it's natural, right? Because it's got fresh fish in it." I'm like, "Yeah, probably not so much. Read read the ingredients, read the ingredients, because all those chemicals, when you read the nutritional label, the nutritional label, well, looks good because I got vitamin A and vitamin D and E and C and all these vitamins. But then when you read the ingredients, it's just a bunch of chemicals. That's, that's all you're giving your pet. Well, now the ingredient list can probably uh, state that it has lab grown meat. There's a Czech startup company. <laughs> Uh, and the company stated that pet foods containing the lab-grown meats would sell around the price level of premium and super premium pet food products on the market. So if it sells around the same price point, why do we just give them food that comes off the farm? Right. Why not? <laughs> I, I, and, you know, and you know what you're feeding and it's healthier for them. And it's just so logical. It's like, why is it so blasted hard 
to to convince people of this until they like, you know, sadly, a lot of people just have to experience sick pet after sick pet. I mean, there's some people that get it, you know, from they they just understand the nutritional principles and they're on board with it. Those are the people we love to work with. But a lot of other people, until they get the wake up call, and sometimes it's the second or third pet that dies of cancer. I, I work with a lot of people like this. Like, yeah, I've had three pets die from cancer. Now I'm ready to do something different. Okay, finally, you know, like, you know, we could have done that three pets ago, but at least we're doing it now. You know, I am not, you know, critical of people like that because at least now they're they're ready to uh, to to make the change, but it's just so hard to get past the marketing and the, and the claims from the, from the conventional vets. Well, again, what, what now we see so clearly that I think takes a while for people to see is these things, these traditional methods of protecting your pet have symptoms. Those symptoms you think come out of nowhere and then you pile on antibiotics and all these other things to fix a symptom that's being created by the stuff that's gone into the dog in the first place. And I don't know what, what, uh, you know, I guess we just keep saying it over and over again, Dr. Jasek, to help people recognize what's happening. And on the next podcast, you and I are going to talk uh, uh, about your digging deeper into vaccines and all of these type of things that we've been looking at, rabies. But I think, again, that connection has to be when your dog has an issue, what have they been, what has been put in their body, whether or not you had to put it in there. Okay. We don't right. care that that's not a part of the story. Right. Okay. Like why you did it is irrelevant. We, we, yeah, it doesn't matter whether you had to do it, why you did it. We, that, to take that part out, doesn't matter. The fact is those things went into the body. Now we have a problem with the pet, whether that's bad food or bad, you know, or toxins. So are we going to put more bad food and more toxins in so we can heal a body that is sick from that stuff? This is what doesn't make sense. Right, right. It's like the the definition of insanity, right? Keep doing the same thing and hope for a different outcome. And and you know, people think well, it's easier just to, you know, give that medication or give that pill um than than make a change. I you know, I'd sent you um information on this new uh diabetic drug. Um actually last week, two I had two new drugs come up that I'd never heard of before. I'm like, oh God. They're just poisoning our pets left and right. And, you know, general concept, folks, don't don't ever let your pet be a guinea pig. And your vet wants to try something brand new that has not been out in the real world for at least two years. Don't do it, no matter what they say, because they're not testing. They're not testing this stuff. So in this case, it was a kitty. And um, this gentleman was already feeding his dogs raw. So he knew about raw. Kitty was still eating kibble and was diagnosed with diabetes. And yeah, I don't know why, but... <laughs> But, but cat's diagnosed with diabetes, right? He's up, it goes up to CSU and they want to put it on this new drug. It's called Bexacat and it's an oral, it's an, it's an, it's an oral drug to lower the blood glucose. And the claim is like, well, this is easier than giving your pet insulin shots, right? 
So I pulled this drug up because honestly, never heard. I don't remember the actual name of the chemical name, but it's Bexacat was the trade name. And I'm looking at what it does. So what it does is it increases the renal excretion of the glucose. So it causes the body to kick out more glucose, lowering the blood glucose. So your blood, the parameter is lower, but you go read the adverse effects. Well, uh, ketoacidosis and death, <laughs> main side effects. So that tells me right there, they're just they're just manipulating that one value and the pet is suffering all of the consequences of being a diabetic. So they can still die from diabetes, even though the blood glucose is normal and they're, and you've lost your parameter for, for monitoring what, how, how well the, the cat is, is um, how well you're uh, regulating the diabetes. And because, you know, this gentleman was already aware of raw, he did ask, well, what about diet? I said, oh, no, does it matter? Cats can eat kibble <laughs> just fine. Well, we know cats are very prone to type two diabetes, which is diet related. And he had already taken the cat off kibble and started first on canned food and was starting to introduce some rot. In one week, the cat was already feeling better, peeing less, more energy, you know, he's already seeing like changes in the coat. So the only thing this cat may need is a diet change because cats are really sensitive to these high carb diets. Whereas they were going to put the cat, the cat would have been better off on insulin because at least we're treating the mechanism, kind of treating the underlying cause. But this, and he said, even at CSU, they didn't know anything about it. They were like, we're going to be really interested to see how this affects your cat because we've just started using it. Like, okay, yeah. no. don't, don't make your, don't, don't enter your pet in trials. I've known people that have entered their pets and like, they have vaccine trials, like, um, like cancer vaccines, supposed cancer vaccines. Um, and I've had, you know, people because they get all this free workup, right. They get all this, you know, and they can, and, and if your pet gets cancer, gets sick, um, although they treat it for free, but you know, that's, that's just a little perk of being in the, in the study. So they get all these free tests and all this stuff. Like, don't, don't put your pet in a, in a trial for anything, for anything. Don't, why, why would you subject, why would you subject your pet to that? They're using your pet to test whether or not this safe. What if it's not, what if it's not safe and your pet dies? You know? Well, it was going to die anyway, supposedly. Well, yeah, eventually. <laughs> <It's but. laughs> what? No, I mean, this is what, you know, you kind of have this mentality about it, but Here's here's the thing, guys. Diet matters on all living beings. You, me, Dr. Jasek, and all of our pets and our kitties. And so many people have cats that have died of renal problems and kidney problems. And yet they still give the cats the crack, the kitty crack, the kibble. We can't do that. Change the diet first. That is your first. Change the diet. Right. You know, change the diet for, I had a, 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 a woman, I know we got to go, but we, I had a woman who changed her dog's diet and she said in a week, she said, I am seeing amazing results in one week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The dogs weren't bouncing off the wall. Their coats looked better. Their breath was better. Everything was better about these dogs in one week. So imagine what you could reverse 
if you stayed on this diet for at least six months. And you know, I think you said this, Dr. Jasek, for every year that you've been on bad food, kibble food, supposedly a premium kibble, you need to give the raw at least a month. All right. So if you've been doing that for seven years, at least give it seven months, right? Um, some people will give it two days and they're like, my dog can't do this. And I'm like, it can, and it should, yeah. uh, but I can't, I can't tie you down and make you do that. So, Hey, Dr. Jasek in the next podcast, kit, let's talk about um, what you're finding out as you're really digging into rabies and into some vaccines. It's fascinating stuff. Okay. Does that okay. sound good? Let's All right, it. listen, everybody, um, Dr. Jasek putting out some fantastic stuff on her sub stack. Dr. Jasek, where do they find your sub stack and how can they sign up? Sub stack is judyjasekdvm.substack.com and just go there and subscribe. And there's both free and paid information. I'm, I really want to um, next year get more guests out there, including you, Dee Dee. Um, I'm going to, we're going to flip the, flip the, the narrative operation operation here oh <laughs> yeah. and you so and, yeah yeah and so i'll interview you and yeah you'd be on my podcast so i gotta start getting some stuff that's that's one of one of my goals for next year is to get more more guests out there so people don't get tired of just listening to me talk but i i put um i'd say between two and four posts a week out there so i'm really putting a lot of information out there Nice, nice. And you can work with Dr. Judy Jasek at ahavet.com, ahavet.com. I really do encourage you, if you have a diagnosis, if you've had a blood test, if your dog is being recommended and prescribed certain medications, you want to get a consult with Dr. Jasek. She can work with you anywhere in the world. Yeah, world. Uh, and, uh, that you can do that by zoom and she yeah. can give you a second opinion. I always say the, uh, best first step, your first step is to get a second opinion. Okay, guys. So get over to ahavet.com. get over to raw dog food and Don't forget that every Wednesday we have our yappy hour. That's when you're going to find sales on food treats, supplement, and bones. And man, do we have some cool stuff coming up in the new year for you guys. So stay tuned for all that. Dr. Max, Jason Max gonna... loves those. Max loves those neck bones, by the way. He's those got... raw meaty, be... I love oh, those. He just, he just loves them. Like matter of fact, I gave him one this morning because Tuesday is kind of a big, we do the podcast. It's kind of my admin day. So I'm kind of in my office a lot. And he's like, mom, come on. Can't we go do something? So I give him that neck bone out there and he just, He'll, you know, he'll work on that for quite a while. When he gets down kind of small, sharp pointies, uh, he usually loses interest anyway, and then I'll take it away. But yeah, he loves those bones. Those are great. Those are great. They're called the raw, the beef, raw meaty beef neck bones. So they're, they're mm -hmm. beef neck bones and they're, they're cut up into, I don't know, how big do you think they are? Like three to five mm -hmm. inches, something like that. Yeah, something, three, something like that. Three to four. I don't know. And there's a good amount of meat on it. It's a good little the, snack too. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. My my Germans really did love that. And or, or Lazi still loves them. So all right, get over to raw dog food and company.com, you guys, where your pet's health is our business. And we're what, Dr. Jasek? Friends don't let friends feed kibble, not even if it's premium and not even if it's beyond grain free. <laughs> right. No kibble. That's right. Zero zilch none. All right, we'll right. see you next week, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. 
Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.